Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Kaz once again on Say Less. Thank you so much for subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, Acast, anywhere you get podcasts, baby. So tune in, uh, iHeartRadio. We putting this goddamn thing anywhere, baby. Anywhere you could stream, everywhere you could watch. But there's only one place you could watch. And that is YouTube.com slash Kazim, YouTube.com slash K-A-Z-E-E-M. I know it's great to listen to the podcast, but obviously we're all locked down in the crib. If you want to watch these great interviews and these conversations with these fantastic athletes, artists, influencers, guests, all that good stuff. Uh, all you got to do is go to YouTube.com slash Kazim. But for all the subscribers from Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, everywhere, thank you so much. Our guest today is one of my very, very good friends, one of the most accomplished NFL players on and off the field. His name is Andrew Hawkins. He played several seasons with the Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals, but he's actually as successful on the field as he is off the field. After being retired for several years, he is the co-creator of the Tomahawk Podcast. He is one of the head content creators for Uninterrupted. He is a Oscar award-winning producer of the Hair Love short animated film directed by my man Matthew Cherry and many, many other things. You catch him on the NFL Network. He's also a... Um, He's also nominated for a Shorty Award, one of the funniest uh, viral videos that went around. I'm sure you saw about NFL players uh, going into, you know, their little catwalk that they do every time when they get ready and get all fashionable and shit like that. But it's a great conversation, especially for a lot of you people that are creative, that are locked down. If you're a professional athlete, uh, figuring out your life after the league uh, and being successful in that realm as well. This is a fun convo. Love the guy to death. Uh, went to bat for me super hard uh, for Uninterrupted as well. And uh, probably wouldn't be there if it wasn't for him. So, uh, like he said, when this thing becomes a TV show, uh, he absolutely uh, will be a guest. He has an open-door policy over here. So, my guy Hawk is next on the Say Less podcast. So, there's only one more thing to do. Emilio, hit the fucking music. What's going on, Hawk? Kaz, what's good, man? Yo, you got to do all my intros, man. <laughs> you know, listen, listen. Every single person I've had on the show has to do the same thing. So I'm, I think my my calling in life has just become like new Michael Buffer and just like Straight up. My friends. <laughs> hey, that's, that's another income, another revenue stream in the quarantine. You, you know, you're, you're speaking my language, Hawk. You're speaking my language. Uh, but before we get into all this, uh, you know, stuff about you and, mm-hmm. and everything going on, how, how are you holding up? How are you, how are you going? How are you living through this quarantine, man? You know, I'm straight, man. Uh, been hunkered down. I, I adopted the don't leave a house on my birthday. Okay, so my birthday was March 10th, right? Okay. March 11th is when the world fell to shit. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so my was sort of similar. My birthday was February twenty first, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I started hearing about this thing like for a while. And I'm like, should I be worried about that? I'm like, I'm like, baby, you know what? Let's just do some extra shopping. Let's go to Costco. No. Let's go to stuff. It was and, when the NBA shut it down. I'm yeah. like, okay, I shut it down with Adam Silver. Like, I, I was basically. <laughs> 
the 31st NBA team. Cause I was like, yeah, we ain't leaving the Crips. Well, I, ain't, I have not left the house since March 11th. Really? Yeah. How are you eating? What the, what are you doing? Well, we do the, we do the grocery pickup. So wifey okay. picks the groceries up, but they just come in, they put it in the back of the car and then she comes home. So <laughs> I, I've been in the crib. I've been quarantining, quarantining. <laughs> uh, you and me both, bro, like literally since uh, well, um, four weeks from today, since uh, since March 11th or whatever, when they shut down the last NBA game with the Jazz and I think the Thunder was, yeah. uh, I might have went to the store twice. Uh, I, did, I did a Costco run. I, I sub-zeroed myself out. I got my face mask, I got my hat, <laughs> I got everything. I, I went in, I balled out at Costco, and <laughs> have a look at the house. Dog. So, I, I mean, I've been good. You know, all things considered, I've been cool. I'm a very, like, to myself person anyway. I'm kind of, like, mm-hmm. socially weird. So, you know, I, I'm like, a, they call it, what, introverted or extrovert. So I can yeah. show We're the same person, bro. Exactly. We're the same person. We can turn it on when we need to. Exactly. But if up to me, I'd rather be in the house chilling anyway. Hey, I am in my comfort zone. When they was like, I was quarantining. I'm like, yeah, it's been good the last couple of years. Um, so, <laughs> like, oh, oh, that's what it's called. You know, like, like, what? When we started hearing names about this stuff, like, oh, you mean just how I live my regular life? Like, exactly. Oh, you need to come home and, and eat your own food and cook your own food and don't leave the house in any circumstances unless it's <laughs> an emergency. I'm like, this is what I always do. What you mean? <laughs> life. This is life. My, my wifey's mad because she's she's the opposite. She likes to be places. She likes to be around people, and she like will always Damn, be yelling dude. at me because she's like, "You never want to do anything." We gotta. So I would be like making those you know relationship sacrifices to do that. Now I'm like, yeah, look who's in charge now, huh? Look, look who had it right. Huh. I had to fuck my girl off the off the ledge a few weeks ago because it was it was uh, our, our nephew and niece's birthday. They're twins, right? And uh, usually they have, like, a big thing with all the kids and family. I'm like, baby, I don't know if this is the right time to do it. And mind you, I love their family. So she's like, so what, you don't want to hang out with my family? I'm like, no, 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 that's not at all. <laughs> like, it, sounds, it sounds crazy out there. Like, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, all things considered, everybody's good. Family's good. good. We, we introverted Pisces, so we right in the element right now, man. This right, is nothing. man. Um, I'm, glad I got, I'm glad I got you today because uh, we just got some NFL news not even like uh, a half hour ago. And, um, you know, Brandon Cooks, along with, I think, a future first-round pick, traded to the Houston Texans mm. uh, for, um, I think, a second-round pick of this year's draft. Uh, I would love to get your thoughts on that. And just the Houston Texans in general because they gave away DeAndre Hopkins they, uh, they for, I guess, what, it's taking like $2 million in cap money because – they would have yeah. paid fourteen million, and I think Brandon Cooks take, makes sixty million this year. So the, I would just love to know your thoughts on that trade and the Houston Texans offseason in general. So they gave, and this, you're breaking this news to me because I had no idea this happened. Really? All right, so yeah. I'll, 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 I'll read you the nitty gritty, right? Now. Yeah, give me Trade give me the details, man, and I'll give you my off the cuff opinion. So the Los Angeles Rams have agreed to trade wide receiver Brandon Cooks to the Houston Texans. The Texans will send a 2020 second round draft pick, number 57 overall, to the Rams for Cooks and a 2022 fourth round pick. 
The Rams will incur $21.8 million in dead money by trading books. I already paid them $4 million in roster bonuses that was due on the third day of the league year. Mm. Uh, in addition to that, the Texans and coach and general manager Bill O'Brien traded wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins last month for a 2024th round pick to the Arizona Cardinals. They got back David Johnson, a 2022nd round pick, and a 2021 fourth round pick. Hawk, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Houston Texas offseason this year. So I'm going to break this up in a couple. And again, this is off the cuff. Uh, we'll start with O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, head coach. He's wilding, right? He's yeah. just – he's big wilding, right? So, yeah, please, break this up because I got my thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Here's what I'm thinking he's doing. So this is why it's important to have checks and balances within any organization. Anything you do in life, there should be checks and balances, right? Like someone has to answer to somebody because when somebody has all the power, if they ain't got the right mindset, things go south really quick. So I feel like O'Brien is really making the decisions and trading the farm away that if in the event the Texans do decide to part ways with him, the person after him, there's no way they can be successful. Really? Because he's trading. I mean, it's been a, like a joke on Twitter about the moves he's made, but it's it's reality. Like he's not he's making bad decisions. One thing that 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 rubbed me the wrong way, and that, and I, now I just can't stop thinking about it is remember that day on first. Michael was like, "Yo, I talked to DeAndre Hopkins, and he said he sat down with LeBron, and the only the only time he's ever had to have a talk about somebody like this was when he sat down with Amber Hernandez." And then, you know, DeAndre Hopkins got on Twitter and tried to clean it up. But Michael Irvin already put it out there and was like, yo, this is this is the reason why I'm having this call. And I think it was because, like, I think he had some baby mama issues or whatever. It was, it was something, something super small or whatever. Right. But, you know, I think – I don't know if it was a Bill O'Brien move or DeAndre Hopkins was like, yo, trade me or something like that. Like, I don't know what what was going on between those two. It don't make sense because, Hop. I mean, Hop is arguably, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Right. Oh yeah. At worst, at worst, top three. At the and, very and, worst. and even at that, the people that you have over top of him, when you look at their quarterbacks over the course of their career, have likely been better than the quarterbacks that DeAndre Hopkins has played with, with the exception of Deshaun Watson, who's a beast. Right. Prior to Deshaun Watson, he was playing with some, you know, run of the mill guys. Um, so when you take that into consideration, we when, when you take that into consideration, it's like. It just doesn't add up. There's no way that you can justify sending him off without the proper compensation, which they didn't get. And even if it does turn into him winning now with the moves he makes, there's no way in the future you can be successful because you were like cutting your nose off to spite your face. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know why certain GMs and coaches do that. Like, I feel like he was already on the hot seat for the past year, but you got a guy like Deshaun Watson where, you know, you should be going deep in the playoffs with him. Like, you got J.J. Watt. Granted, he gets hurt. You should be going deep in the playoffs with these type of guys. And it kind of seemed like they've been underachieving for the past couple of years. Yeah. Is this kind of like a save-your-ass type of move? Like, just in case, like, things go south and things go wrong, they could be like, hey, when I was here, at least we went to the playoffs. Now it's yeah, like – he went to, He's gone to the playoffs. He's gone to the playoffs a lot of times with quarterbacks that may not be that good, but it's – a favorable division, but on top of that, it's just like you have to show some success. Now you have a quarterback. Everyone knows Deshaun Watson is legit. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. 
So you can't cop out anymore saying you don't have this, you don't have that. Your offensive line is decent. You got the quarterback. The DeAndre Hopkins move was questionable at best, right? At best. But I do like <laughs> Cookie, though. I do like Brandon Cooks. I don't know. You know, you know. He has is, he is, he is provided for me for at least four straight <laughs> fantasy football seasons. So like, I always I always got love for Brandon Cooks, whether it's New England, right. L.A., Houston. Like, he's going to be – I mean, fantasy implications now. Like he's gonna be a top, a top pick coming this yeah. year because Sean Watson is getting it to him as much as he can. I was with Brandon Cooks for like two months when I was signed with the Patriots, and I remember when they told me he was twenty three at the time. I was mm-hmm. shocked because he, if you ever been around Brandon Cooks, he carries himself like he's a forty five year old man. Like he's like that <laughs> mature. So he's like, oh, he's twenty three. I'm like, what? He's been giving me advice for three weeks, and he's ten years younger than me. <laughs> That's Brandon. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I want to talk about your your your. I almost want to say, you know, most people won't know you for your post football life, but like your uh, actual football life is, you know, kind of ridiculous. You came into the league your first three years in Cincinnati, and you know, obviously, you got to the league in, in, a, in a very unconventional way. Right. But what was your experience like coming to to the league as a rookie that year? Shoot. I was I was just in shock that it actually happened. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm I'm five seven, and I spent my whole life trying to get to the league, and literally everybody that I've ever talked to telling me that it wasn't possible. So for my my first year in the league, man, it was it was the funnest year I've ever had in my life playing football. Just because at that moment I did not care what happened after that. Like it was done. I did it. Like I remember I got my first catch, and I was like, "Yo, I'm in the I am in." the stat book, people can never say I wasn't here. So I really, I'm not even kidding. I'm like, a, you know, after, after a while, like towards the end of my career, like one of the reasons I retired is because the anxiety of pro football started getting to me and that like quest to be perfect and, you know, wanting to deliver and the pressure I would put on myself. Cause like every single game, every single practice to me was like a game. Like if, mm. if I dropped the pass in practice, I would take that home and like my family would feel it. People couldn't, talk to me during the season and by nature as you know I'm not that kind of person I'm like actually a fun person but in football it kind of made me a psychopath so that's why I like I walked away when I did but coming into the league I was just like ecstatic to be there bro I mean you mentioned uh the anxiety of being in the NFL and uh you know now especially more than ever especially after all this Mm -hmm. you know there's going to be a lot of mental issues that come with the game. And a lot of yeah. people really don't even – they're so into it, they probably don't even have the, the mental capacity to, to really know that they have anxiety and it's mm-hmm. affecting them in different ways of life. Was there, like, a specific moment that, like, it hits you? or was like, hey, this is, this is doing more harm than good to me right now. Yeah, there wasn't, like, a specific moment where it just came down on me like that because I think it was just so constant that it became kind of the norm. Um, but towards the end of my career, when I started to see the opportunities that I had off the field, I started to think to myself, like, well, I'll back it up to play in the NFL. You have football has to be first for most people, for guys like me who are five, seven, 180 pounds. Like it's not an afterthought. There's some physical freaks that can stay up all night playing Fortnite, wake up and still be better than everybody. I wasn't one of those cats So to play in the NFL, to be successful. Football needs to come first, everything. I didn't take a honeymoon for five years. I just took my honeymoon over the summer of 2019. I got married in 2014 because there was no time. I didn't want to miss training, right? Like, 
it came first. I miss funerals. I miss weddings. I miss births of babies. I miss, you know, Christmases. I had a Christmas for 15 years to that point because that was always during football season. So football came first in everything. Towards the end of my career, I no longer felt like football was first. I'm like, yo, I want to go to school. I want to get a job. I want to do a bunch of things that I think I can do. And I would always be like, damn, but I got practice, but I got training. And once I started thinking like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's probably, it's probably time to go. And the anxiety, like I would come home from practices and no kidding. I would have to sit in the driveway for 30 to 45 minutes just to try to wash like the stink off me from like just the way I was feeling. If I was frustrated, if I was mad, how the practice went and like, worrying about tomorrow that I had to do all over again because I didn't want to come in and have my kids feel that you know and I wasn't always successful at doing that but again I was just like yo my kids don't need this man I want to come home and be dad I want to come home and play and not give a damn about what tomorrow is going to bring but I couldn't do that playing football at the time man I mean and and now I mean you look at your life and you're almost I wouldn't even say the blueprint, but yeah, like you're kind of the blueprint for life post football for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. if you poll a lot of NFL guys about, oh, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to the television. I want to get media. I want to do this. I want to do that. You've done all that, and mm-hmm. now you know, no sports anywhere. It's kind of put like the huge spotlight on like, yo, there's gonna come a time where all this isn't here anymore. Yeah, what do you want to do? Um, I would love to just know, like, what are some some advice that you may have or things that you may have done that you probably uh, could pass on to younger generations of athletes that could set you up for life post-football? Right. So I I would love to think that, like, or say that I'm the smartest athlete and I knew all along. That's not the case. So I had an older brother who played in the league, and the benefit of everything that I've accomplished has kind of been through him. I always give him the credit because imagine – you have somebody living your life 10 years in front of you, right? And you can see what worked well. You can see what didn't. You can see where they should have made corrections. Um, so he would kick me that game. And I'm the kind of person that likes to learn from other people's mistakes and, and not have to go through them. So when I, when I stopped playing, well, before I got to the league, there was like a three-year period where I played in Canada, did reality shows, everything possible to get to the NFL. But when I got done in college and I had nothing to do and – You know, I had nothing to fall back on and no one cared that I played football at Toledo. Then I was like, yo, I don't want this to happen again. So if I'm able to get my football career back going, I'm going to make sure I do everything I can. So when I set up, I can leave when I want and not feel like, you know, football used and abused me. So when I got to the league, that was my mindset, man. In the off seasons, like if I wasn't training, I was sending emails. I was reading books. I was going back to get my degree. I was trying to connect with people while I was in the league. I was meeting people for lunch. I was, you know, researching the different things that I wanted to be a part of and learning new skills because I didn't want to go back to that place where I felt like I was useless right after the game left me. So for guys that are playing now, it's the same thing I tell them. I'm like, hey, you got to find your passion outside of what you're doing. And that's not just with football. That's anything you're doing. You're not your job. You are not, you know, what other people say you are. You got to find what really makes you happy what really makes you you uh, because that's in times like these, that's all you have to fall back on. Right. So being an introvert who just loves hanging out with his kids, you know what I'm saying? In these times it's, it's not terrible. I'm not in a terrible space, you know? And when you get done with football, when you get done with anything you're doing, you got your whole life ahead of you, man. And you know, that was one of the things that drew me to uninterrupted. So I worked there as an executive, but I also do content there. 
Um, but the whole mindset is the more than an athlete thing. That's something that goes across sports, man. Like that's a tagline, but it doesn't matter what you are, man. You have to learn to get your fulfilling from within. And it sounds like it's deep and it, but it's, it's really not, man. One thing I love to do is be myself, right? Like I love that a part about content because yo, I do care about my community. I do care about injustices. I do care about business. I like to put businesses together. I like to be silly. That's who I am. So being able to do all that stuff where before I was kind of like, man, I don't know if I, if I make funny videos, they might not take me seriously when I'm doing my activism stuff. Right. Or if I do funny videos, when I go into a business meeting, what are they going to say? And then after a while, I'm like, yo, this is who I am. I'm smart. I'm funny. And I'm an activist and I do all this other stuff. So for anybody, it's kind of taught me like, yo, you got to lean in to who you are. Right. And I, I appreciate the fact that I'm able to do that now. And I appreciate when I see it in other people as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you spearheaded a lot of stuff that I've seen a lot of athletes sort of like trying to follow in those sort of footsteps, especially, mm-hmm. you know, being an activist and being funny and, yeah. you know, being able to do a, a podcast and, you know, invest in movies and series mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. You know, me and you, we've, we've ran, we've ran the same halls and uninterrupted yep. many And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, the Tomahawk podcast. That's one of their more successful shows, one of the more successful NFL podcasts, one of the more successful uh, just player hosted or former player hosted podcast. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the genesis of that show and how it came and when you knew you wanted to do something like that. So I'll I'll take it all the way back. In 2014, um, I wore a T-shirt for a pregame. talking about Tamir Rice and John Crawford in Ohio. And I got, it was a big deal. It was across everywhere. And it was like, you know, kind of one of the first NFL player stances around something. Right. Um, so when I did that, I remember me and Joe Thomas, we were in the lunchroom not too long after that. And, and we hadn't had a lot of conversations. I was new to the team that season. So I didn't have a lot of friends there. Like I was just about my business, the anxiety thing. Right. I was just being quiet, trying to prove my worth. So I remember me and Joe sat in the cafeteria one day. And we had probably a, like a two, three hour conversation. And the thing that struck me about the conversation is, you know, I was listening to him. He was listening to me. I was raising points. He was raising points. And it was just a, a it was you just know when you walk away from a conversation, you're like, we didn't agree on everything. We didn't like, you know, but I, I was raising points. He was like, damn, that's a good point. And, and vice versa. And so that kind of spun into a bunch of conversations. Right. Here you have this six, seven white dude from Wisconsin and this five, seven black dude from outside of uh, Pittsburgh. And on the surface, we're not supposed to like be able to have those conversations. And they kind of just continued to where by the time I retired, I was more or less trying to start a podcast just because I'm bored. Um, when you retire from the league, what you miss is that camaraderie within the locker room, like that joking around that being able to have those conversations. So I figured regardless, I can just do that. Right. If no one listens, who cares? Me and my, me and a homeboy that I play with, we can catch up and, you know, put it out in the world. And it kind of just took off, man. And I, I think this is the relatability of people who see me and they're like, I can't believe you played in the league. So I tell these stories and they're like, yeah, I can relate to that because I feel like I can do what you do. So, you know, it's, it's taken off, man. And it's, it's become kind of a mainstay um, in football, but for me personally, in like my mix of media and content. Yeah. I mean, uh, before that show, I mean, now you got like road tripping with, yeah. with- 
Jefferson. You got all the smoke. You got a lot of these, like, mm-hmm. you know, most most things now, if you're not doing NBA on TNT or NBA on ESPN, you got to have a popping podcast. And now, yep. like, people with those type of stories that aren't necessarily probably suitable for ESPN, suitable for yeah. sports, they do podcasts, and they've seen great success from it. Um, I want to know your thoughts on that. Do you have a favorite podcast that you listen to that is hosted by former players? Yeah, no, I I think you're exactly right. I think like um, podcasts are interesting because you can't fake it in a podcast. You can't put bells and whistles on a podcast. If you don't got a guest, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? If you ain't got a top billing named guest, if you don't got you know, all the bells and whistles of ESPN and NFL network and like, or being forced into people's homes, you gotta, it's hard to make people stay and listen to you. Like they gotta mm-hmm. want to hang out with you. They gotta want to hear what you gotta say. They gotta want to hear your conversation. Um, and that's tough to do. So a lot of people started and I, I know a lot of big name people who have started podcasts and nobody's tapped in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is again, like you, you're a great example of like, yo, it, you got to have the juice, man. You got to have the juice. You got to be able to entertain. You got to be able to have conversations that people say like, damn, that was a good listen. Um, and a lot of players are doing that now. We kind of got in at the right time because we weren't big names, but yeah. we had conversations that people wanted to hang out with. So now you're right. I like all the smoke. I, I tune into that because, you know, that unfiltered conversation is the new wave. Like once you get the appetite for authenticity, you can't take it any other way. Yeah. I can't watch a fake conversation no more on TV. We listen to athletes all the time and all, and you know, granted, you know, we could watch LeBron James and Rachel Nichols have like a sit down on ESPN. There's a dark background and very serious. And like, you get something from that. But if LeBron's like, yo, I'm going on all the smoke, I'm going on nothing podcast, I'm doing road tripping, like everybody stop what they're doing and be like, yo, a couple days ago, it'd not be the same thing. Sort of like that unfiltered nature. You got Tom Brady on Howard Stern talking about, you know, people's dicks and balls and like... (laughs) Wow, man. Once you get that, that's podcasting is the only place you'll get that because you could only do like the press answer so long before like the real you just kind of shows through. And I I think it's going to bubble up into all kind of content. I think that like, I just think that the new wave of people, which is again, where I'm kind of stating my claim is like, you know what? I'm going to be me. I'm going to try to be me as much as possible. Like I can do the suit up thing and I can do that with the best of them. But for my content, for what I want to be, I want it to be authentic. Like you talk about, we do the shop at uninterrupted. That's the same thing. Once you get that version of LeBron, you don't want, the other version of LeBron, you know what I'm saying? And Tom Brady, he's going to be like, yo, I could do a sit down interview with ESPN or I can go to Howard Stern and just talk. Like I talk in the locker room, right? Oh, shit. Yeah. And that's what people want. That's, that's what, what they want. They're too good. That's what makes going to make this show good. It's mm-hmm. like conversations where we know the mask is off. We yep. know, like, you know, there's no publicist sitting behind you saying, well, don't do none of that shit. Like, you know, especially when it comes to athletes, because we always want athletes to say the right thing. Yeah. And a lot of times they won't say the right thing in the wrong audience and they'll either lose a sponsorship, they'll lose yep. something or other, whatever. But for some reason, podcasting is like this weird, magical world <laughs> where, like, you could kind of get away with saying some it's shit. It's like off limits. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost like it's almost like the great beyond. It's like if you're that thirsty to listen through like an hour and a half of a conversation with somebody and pick out 
get mad at. It's almost like you can't do that anymore because yep. the, the, the great thing that podcasting has given you is context. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you can't take a sound bite and be like, oh, man, such and such said such and yep. such. Oh, and we're off of the headline. Podcasting has given us great context. And I think that's what your show does really well with Joe Thomas. It's like, who would want to listen to an offensive lineman talk about anything? You know what I mean? But like, with him, he's had, he's had such an interesting life, the way he looks at things, and you bring out a lot of stuff out of him that, mm-hmm. that makes the conversations really engaging. Um, I would just love to know just do you have like a dream guest on your show? A dream guest on my show? Yeah. Um, not really, man. Not really. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm I'm not against guests. Obviously, I love having right. guests on. I love you know them coming on. Um, but I I like people coming for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so when I do, and and the people that book my podcast will tell you that they're like, hey, we can get so and so, and it might be a huge name. If I don't feel like it's gonna be a good conversation, I tell them no, I'm good. They get so mad at me oh, for that. But I'm like, yo, I don't want nobody coming on my show. And big time in me. You got me up. That ain't, that ain't how this is going down. Like, ain't nobody that important to me. So I don't really have a dream. I like just authentic people. Um, right. whether that's you yeah, know, that's what I'm saying. Like to me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't I'm you know, I love granted, like I love like talk with other people and getting their point of view and stuff. Uh-huh. But I would just love to have OJ as a guest, just because <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'd be I think he I think he has a great football mind. I'd love to see how he goes through his picking out his fantasy football lineup just because I know the audience would be like, yo, I'm pulling up for that. And I know I can yeah. get I, I would definitely pull up for a Kaz and Juice uh episode. <laughs> I don't know if I'm having juice on my podcast, but I would definitely pull up to listen to yours. I just I just want to talk strictly <laughs> football. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even mention anything. I was just like, yeah, so remember when you ran for 10,000? Anyway, whatever. Next question. So, um, you are nominated for a Shorty Award for a great uh, viral video you put out uh, just kind of making fun of the way athletes and NFL players specifically walk into the locker room uh-huh. or do the, 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 you know, the catwalk dance now. <laughs> like every, every game, it's almost like a show before the show. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about the inspiration behind that and what made you click on, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of roast some people. And then I'd love to hear like the Russell Wilson interaction. <laughs> that was hilarious. So it's funny. I didn't even think that was going to hit the way it did. <laughs> so I was doing that and another idea. And I'm like, I was going to do them both in the same day. And I'm like, eh, I'll just do this one. Cause it's easier to execute. So I just did it, knocked it out, went about my business. I had no idea that thing was going to take off the way that it did. But even like that, like, you know, obviously I played in the league and I remember being in the game day when those, when those cats would walk in. When I played Christian Louboutins, Louboutins, however you pronounce it, were the hot thing, right? <laughs> so whatever new Christian Louboutin came out, everybody would buy it. So on game days, I'm not even bullshit. When I was with the Bengals, there would be like 17 people wearing the exact same shoes. <laughs> and they would think they were so fresh and then they would come in and get mad because everyone had it. I'm like, y'all are all buying the same thing. So just like insights about that. We see it now. Like athletes are affecting fashion and what people are viewing and they're taking that more seriously than the game. So I'm like, well, let me try to use my insights about what I know to make a, a sketch. And honestly, most of the guys in that are 
inspired by me. I was the guy walking in beside the quarterback. <laughs> I was about to say, which one were you? <laughs> I was all of them. I was literally, at some point, I was all of them. So people think I'm making fun of others. It was me. I, it, it, it's all me. And then I put Russell Wilson's name on it because we all seen his glow up, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a man. Listen. <laughs> He went from uh, St- Steve Urkel to Stefan Arkell like very, very quickly. So shout out to him and, and tapping right, into his new side. Um, right. <laughs> you were the uh, executive producer of Hair Love, uh, mm-hmm. the Oscar-winning uh, short film uh, directed by Matthew Cherry, the great Matthew Cherry, another former football player. Yep. You believe highly in being more than an athlete and doing things that are outside of the box. You know, I would love to just hear how you thought, especially that Oscar being like the first athletes to win an Oscar since Kobe won for Dear Basketball. You know what I mean? Like I almost felt like it was in the stars once I saw that nominated. Um, What was going through your mind when when they read off that, when they read off that winner and and then Dude, it was wild, man. It was wild. And and obviously, big shouts to Matt Cherry, you know, the brainchild of all of that. Because I remember, so I retired from the league. Me and Matt got hooked up probably a week or two before I retired from the league. And, again, one thing I'm passionate about, and you talk about even things I tell athletes, but anybody in general, right, is to dig in to who you are and what you love. So much time we are spoon-fed this BS that you need to do this and you need to do that. When it's like, yo, no, what makes you special is the thing that you love. So like dig into what you know, dig into who you are. I'm a clown. So doing funny content is what resonates best with people when they see me because they know like, yo, this must be really who he is, right? So when I remember Matt, me, we got connected and we didn't really know each other that well. So he probably thought I was crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, oh, this guy might be. Sure. I mean, it's not like you're not crazy. Yeah, no, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's still the truth, but I just also had a little bit of a reach. I'm crazy with uh, my point. But it was like, I remember I seen the story. And for me, I got twin daughters. And I was like, yo, this is a story that I just want to see come to life for the sake of my twin daughters. And originally, I was going to put their names as executive producers. So it was going to be executive produced by my twin daughters, Autumn and Aubrey. Mm-hmm. And when that thing started coming together, I'm like, eh, no, nah, I should probably take this one, y'all. Uh, I'm going to need this uh, credit on my IMDb. You don't even have to get it yet. <laughs> you saw it come together like, uh, uh, <laughs> like you know an entity project. This ain't going to be a, uh, <laughs> a soft Khaled uh, thing. It's like, I'm gonna nah, need- exactly. <laughs> like, y'all, like, y'all like food, right? Okay, well, good. I'm going to go ahead and do this <laughs> for me. Like electricity? Good. Um <laughs> But yeah, so with Matt, I mean, when he first brought it, I, I was just kind of blown away by the story. I remember he sent me the script, and it has, you know, this is a movie with no words. And I like got teary eyed at the script. I'm like, this is going to win an Oscar. And when I attached as an executive producer, I sent it to everybody and let them know I was doing this project. And I'm like, yo, this is going to win an Oscar for Best Animated Short. This is three years ago. I got it in text. Everyone, and I remember walking into my rep's office. And they were putting their plan together around like what I was going to be doing from a content perspective. And I told them, hey, I'm a part of this this film that's probably going to win an Oscar. And so when that happens, I need you guys ready to do it. And they were kind of looking at me like, who is this? Like, okay, buddy. Like, Oscars are that easy. You know, so when it when it hit, when it actually won the Oscar, my mind had already been so fixated on like this was going to happen that it wasn't even a surprise. I was happy and I'm, I'm still ecstatic about it. And it's an awesome thing to have on the resume, but this is three years in the making of, I'm like, 
if it didn't win an Oscar, I'd have been texting Matt like, bro, you messed that up, dog. Like, <laughs> we had it, bro. I don't know where you went wrong. From <laughs> the bag, my G. We had it. We had it. Bag, fam. God damn. Uh, <laughs> but again, congratulations on on, on uh, the Oscar win. I'm appreciating televising it. I was like, oh, they winning this. I was like, <laughs> you can tell, like when you watch, like I've been to a bunch of Grammys for a while, and like when somebody's popping in an award that like doesn't usually get televised, and they decide to televise it, I'm like, oh, yeah. they, they, they statue this. This is light work. This is light work. Yeah. <laughs> the TVs were there, bro. They were there. Uh, I, I wasn't even that surprised either. Um. Last couple of questions I want to hit you with before we get out of here. Oh, uh, for sure. Before, um, you know, the, uh, before obviously things went to hell with this whole damn coronavirus, the mm. NFL agreed on a new labor agreement, which, you know, there were people that had their thoughts, guys like, you know, uh, JJ Watts of the world, uh, Eric Reeds of the world, a lot of the player reps thought they might have got the short end of the stick. A lot of yeah. people were trying to play another couple of games or an extra game or trying to give up that money. What are your thoughts on uh, the new labor agreement agreed by the NFL and the Players Association? To be honest, man, I mean, I haven't really tapped in as much as you would think I would because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm too connected, you know, and I try not to stress myself out over shit I have no control over. Right. And, you know, now I'm a former player. That's the reality. I'm, I'm one of the old guys, right? And anytime, I remember as a player, anytime the older players that didn't play would be talking about something, it would be positioned to us like, oh, that was it again off my line, guys. They just mad because they not popping no more. You know, so now I'm on this side of it. And when I say I haven't had one day where I woke up and said, I want to play, I wish I was still in the NFL. Not, I'm talking, that thought hasn't crossed my mind one time, right? Um, so now I realize how ridiculous that notion was when I was a player. But yeah, I mean, I don't know a bunch. What I know is the thing that we lost on, um, which is benefits for former players. Anytime that gets compromised, not even for myself, because I'm in a good position. I got like three jobs. They're good. They're well-playing jobs. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing okay for myself. I got a roof over my head. But I know I know former guys who are struggling and depend on those benefits and disability benefits that they like, you know, kind of traded off in the deal, right? And the way it sets them up is what my heart breaks for because – for a lot of guys whose bodies break down, and I know my time is coming. I had a lot of injuries. I played this game as much as everybody else. So it's not a matter of if, it's when. Um, I always think of those guys first. And from that perspective, that's why I'm, I'm a little disheartened by the deal that was had, especially when you know the game was so – the extra game was so important that, like, yo, you you should walk away from this deal feeling as good as the other side feels with what they got. And, right. you know, while it wasn't as bad as the last deal we took, I, I think we could have we could have got more out of it. To be honest, I see. I see. Now a lot of people are saying, you know, they got they got the weed in there, so like they don't test the weed no more, and that's a come on, a, man. What is that? <laughs> come on, it was going to be legal in three years across the country anyway. Exactly. It's like so, in, I mean, that's a, that's a, a, the free Big Mac when they was going to give it to you two for one dollar anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on, man. That's that's an easy one. Ah, uh, so uh, last question. Obviously, um, the next thing on the docket is the NFL draft. There are mm-hmm. two big quarterbacks uh, at the top of that draft class, Tua Tunga Bailoa, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is obviously slated to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Just from what you saw, what are your thoughts on Tua? What's your thoughts on Burrow? And if you're a general manager after seeing these guys playing, who do you want leading your franchise and why? 
I think it's pick your poison between those two, man. I'm a big Tua fan. Um, I like what he does, just watching him work out. He really is a freak, and he is like, you know, you talk about somebody that is almost addicted to football. Like, just it's he's like made in a lab for this. It's all he thinks about. He's like his family. He's been groomed to be an NFL quarterback for more than a decade now, right? I got to meet him in uh, Miami for Super Bowl, and uh, I interviewed him for a Sunday ticket. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was there with his, his parents there. and they, oh, they he's clicked deep. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they roll super deep. Like, yeah, that's that, deep. Mahala, Mahola, like, well, yeah. whatever they say in Hawaii. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they was with it. But, yeah, like you said, he's, he's super full. And mind you, he was still recovering from the injury or whatever. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to let on much how long it was. He's just dog. Like he's the picture perfect. Okay, you can put this guy in front of a gym and sell a hundred thousand season tickets because you know he's 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 the guy. He's the guy that wants to face your franchise. Here's what you want in the quarterback, right? You want a guy that if there's any chance that they can figure it out and be great, that they are going to do it, right? If they're not good, if you mm-hmm. messed up, if they can't hang, if like whatever happens in the league, they're not it. You don't want to be want it to be because. They didn't try. They didn't put themselves in the best position. You won't get that with Tua. You know, I played with Johnny Manziel. That's my guy. Johnny didn't put himself in the best position to succeed, right? So people that say that Johnny didn't have the ability, they're wrong. Johnny had the ability. Johnny had some personal shit going on in his life that got in the way of him figuring out or seeing if he had what it take to make it. With Tua, you're not going to get into that because the dude just lives, breathes, and sleeps football. Joe Burrow, he's another guy that's the same way. What struck me about Joe Burrow when I was around him is this dude is like the real life confident, right? Like not right. the fake confident where you tell everyone you're confident and you talk your crap like, yo, I'm the man, I'm this, I'm that. He's not that. You know the kind of people I'm talking about that they don't have to come out and say that they're the man. You can look at them and say like, yo, that guy knows he's the man. He knows he's the guy. That's Joe Burrow. And that's also a guy that when you're in a locker room, those are the kind of people that a team gravitates around. Like a person who knows he's the dude. Like I was with AJ Green early on in the, my career. And AJ is the most quiet dude you'll ever, ever meet in your life. He don't talk crap. People talk to him. He don't let people get into his, under his skin most times. But when you're around him, you know, like, oh, he's the dude. Like, we're good. As long as we got him, we're straight. That's the same feeling I got from Joe Burrow. Nice, nice. So uh, last question I want to ask you before we get out of here because, uh, you know, I know you got a lot of family time to get back to. Yeah. Carol Baskin absolutely fed her husband to this tiger, right? Are this even a discussion right now? Like, no, this, I, this... I have not watched Tiger King. <laughs> I haven't watched it. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. I, I, everybody's talking about Yo, here's a real-life stat for you. I have watched zero – TV shows since we've been quarantining. My TV don't even come on, bro. So what are you doing? What, what do you watch? I'm, I'm in my creative bag, man. I'm like, I'm using all this time to catch up on all the ideas, put shows and concepts together. And, you know, I'm working over uninterrupted. So I'm like producing, I'm taking notes and I'm just trying to be like, yo, on the other side of this, I want to, I want to try to gain a lead. I want to be like, Oh, now we're looking for content. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm saying? So Listen, this is why we're here, bro. Like, and and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like 
what's the word? I don't want to productivity shame anybody. I see like yeah, a lot yeah, of people like people like, oh, if you don't come out of here with, I'm like, listen, if you want to take this time to to just decompress and right unplug matrix, do that. That is great. And I salute you, but myself and the people I usually keep myself around, yeah, like. We we're just not wired that way. It's like I'm gonna come out of this. I'm, I'm coming out of this shit with some. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you if you are if you're a chef, this is a time to cook, right? If you're not a chef, chill. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not everybody wants to be the producer. Not everybody wants their own business. Not everybody wants to be, you know, do what we do. That's fine. But for people like us that are like that, this is your opportunity, right? And if you know figure out that thing you love. Like I talked about earlier, man, like I'm not even kidding. It really like gives me joy to my heart to see when I find somebody with talent and I'm like, yo, that person is dope. It, it brings joy to my heart to a tell that person that, but then also try to figure out ways on the other side to provide somebody with opportunities. You know what I'm saying? There's people that I think are dope and you know this about me, but there's people that, that I think are dope that I've gone to bat for that have no idea I exist and no idea yeah. that they that they know I that I know they exist. Like <laughs> I go right. hard with so many people like that, that people around me, and like when I'm in these meetings, they think it's my homeboy, my homegirl, they think I'm getting I mean, you like that. Like before we even really like really, really knew each other, you went hard like, yo, this guy, he's got oh, I just love it. I just love to see like, yo, there's I see the potential with everybody. I'm like one of those people that see people at their potential. And it just brings me great joy when I see people reach it. You know what? I remember I sent you a tweet. This is like in 2012 when I first started following you on Twitter. And I'm like, yo, you tweet everything I wish I could tweet, right? I I remember this. I remember this. This is what I knew you were there. We were there. (laughs) And if you look like where I was at that time in life, because I was still thinking like, oh, I can't show this. I can't do that. I can't say this. It just took me a while to get to the point where I am now. Where if you look at our tweets now, we're very similar, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right? Like, but it's always been that way. People are following you more and like seeing, like you know, seeing the podcast and seeing the content. Da, 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 da. Like, oh wow, I didn't know. I was like, I, I had an idea. Like, I had a clue. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying, like, and then you know, we we linked up in LA and uninterrupted, and it's been it's been exactly. love, everything, bro. Exactly. Yo, oh. When this whole thing is over, I, I'm going to find my way out to L.A. We're going to kick it. We're going to do something. Absolutely. But, man, thank you so much for coming on Say Less. Congrats on the success. Congrats on the Oscar. Congrats on Tomahawk. Everything you're doing with the NFL, man. There's so many There's so many NFL players and just athletes in general that I admire, especially for what they do on the court and on the field. But what you do off the field, man, like – you are the the blueprint for us for what I see so many people following. Mm. Uh, if they keep their head on straight, know what they want to do, and just you know, like you said, just don't be afraid, man. Just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and you've done it, bro. So, congratulations always, much success. I'm sure we'll get up soon once all this is over. And uh, thank you so much, brother. Dog, Kaz, I appreciate you, man. The feelings are mutual. Now, when Say Less becomes a TV show, don't play me. <laughs> And not bring me on the show. Don't don't try to big boy me and go get the A-list. Have me on the podcast. I, this is dope. I want the TV show too. I'm making that claim right it's now. It's on, it's on video now, so I can't I can never big time you. Like, okay, just making sure we align. I want to put it on record. 
If you say like a homo over there, well, I can't, I can't say no now. You got me cornered. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> All right, my dog. You want to stay safe, man. All right. And that is a wrap for Say Less with Cass. Thank you so much for subscribing. You can always uh, just go to iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, anywhere. Just type in Say Less with Cass. It will pop up. Subscribe to it. Give me a five-star review. Leave a comment. That's all nice and dandy. But... If you really, really want to get the full experience, baby, you got to subscribe to my YouTube page. at youtube.com slash Kazim. Every single episode of Say Less is right here, right now, on the YouTube page. We record them live, but we wait until the next day to put them out uh, because soon we're going to be doing these episodes live, baby. So um, thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you. Say less. Say less.